0: Look, it's impossible for me to talk to a psychiatrist. Go on. Hello, world. This is Angelica Pasquini. You're listening to Go On. Hi, everyone. It's a hot July night. The sun is down. Okay. The rain just started. Just a few. Oh, there was lightning just now. Okay. the The trees are going crazy. There it is. Okay, so <laughs> this this I saw this all starting, and I said, "Let me get my mic." I set it up real quick, set it up right quick in the apartment. Rain is starting, and I said, "With this release and this break of the heat and this moment, I I, I will sit in front of the mic, and I'm back." All right, I'm putting out a new episode with this storm, and I'm and I'm. And I'm here imperfectly. So the rain is now just starting. It's pretty steady. It's been very, very hot. It's uh, July. What is it? Is it the 6th? July 6th, 2021. So I moved to Manhattan. I'm in the East Village right by the Lower East Side, kind of right in between. And um, I... I basically, I found a spot. I found a little studio. And the woman who owns this place is really cool. And um, when we met, there was this, you know, crazy deal. I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, oh, my God. You know, we met. We hang out for two hours. She's she's cool. During the time we were talking, there was, like, her phone kept ringing because there was, like, all these people who wanted the place because she posted it on this thing called... Um, listings project and she said call my phone you know that was in the post call me so of course I did okay rain's picking up beautiful so anyway so she's like call me I have this East Village studio so I'm like all right I'm gonna call we talk on the phone we anyway I come here I, I meet her and we just hung out for like two hours she read my tarot card that was cool Um, we hung out on the roof so it was kind of one of those magic things so I said yeah let's do this You know. so I've been here for a month and it's been a really very very beautiful thing because when I first moved to New York I was in Manhattan and I always wanted to come back and I've just been having a lot of feelings about when I first came here at 18 I'm 32 now I'll be 33 at the end of this month And I've just been thinking about that time a lot. As an 18-year-old cashier at Whole Foods Market, Chelsea, I love to once in a while silently throw food into people's bags without charging them, especially vegetables, which are kind of just no one's right to charge for, in my opinion. It was one of my life's greatest pleasures in such a lowly position, I was a Robin Hood figure. I was like an altruistic mob boss, you know? I would look at people with my eyes, I'd say, take the food and go, just take the food and go. I was an unassuming anarchist, you know? I had like a rhinestone BB shirt from the Pramise Park Mall, I was new to New York. I owed so much money for my education. I think it was a way for me to feel powerful, you know? I met a guy there. His name was Rick. He spoke to me in Spanish, which I did not understand. He stocked fruits and vegetables on a different schedule than when I would work. I was there in the morning. I'd be there before school, and the people that would line up Like, all the hottest people had the same food in their baskets, and um, they would all line up to be, like, the first people in there at 7 a.m. Hot people wake up early. Hot people eat acai bowls. Hot people have Greek yogurt. I could see a hot person coming to my register, little basket, and I knew what was in the basket. Always the same. You know, grains and seeds. It's not rocket science. If you want to be sexy, just you got to buy grains and seeds. (laughs) So, all right. So I'm at my register, and Rick is like stacking a bunch of uh, baskets. He starts speaking to me in Spanish, and I'm like, I don't understand. I I actually took Latin in high school. Cut to me in high school, actually, only six months earlier. (laughs) We started talking in English. We fell for each other. We had a we had a similar sense of humor, and we were so different. Like I remember one time on the train, he sincerely like he shared his earbuds with me, and he like sincerely played me R. Kelly in a really genuine way, like you know, to show his feelings for me. And I was like, I just, I'm, I'm do this but it's not easy for me you know my ass was listening to like you know Velvet Underground I remember showing up at work I had this little skateboard I could barely use he's like that's cool <laughs> he had a tattoo on his stomach it said M-O-B which stood of course for money over bitches I was like oh that's cool <laughs> The whole thing made no sense. But we were attracted to each other, so it was fun. And it was kind of refreshing to be with someone that made no sense, where, and it wasn't a fight or a problem because um, it was never gonna make sense, you know? So before we met, he had went into a coma because of a drag racing accident. And he was showing me the pictures of him in a coma. It was like a lot of pictures. And I'm thinking, who the hell took all these pictures, you know? So eventually, I would take the Ford train to the Dykeman stop in the Bronx to hang out with him. And I met his mom. She was cool. She had like, she really loved curtains. So her curtains would like always be different like she would change the curtains all the time I remember they were like yellow and a bright fuchsia pink like she was really into like swapping them out and I just loved that (laughs) so anyway one time we're sitting at the kitchen table and she's like I knew he was going to come out of the coma and I knew I had to take the pictures of him because I wanted him to see them when he woke up even though everyone told me he wasn't going to wake up I knew he would And I wanted him to never drag race again, so I want him to see the pictures. So, after he had gotten out of the coma and woke up, sleeping beauty, he had to learn how to walk and talk again, and he had trouble reading which he was able to really hide well. I mean, you don't really have to read in front of people. It's a very easy thing to avoid, you know? So one time, we were scheduled to work customer service together, which was really fun because there are two registers that were separate from everyone else. And because we were hooking up, we didn't speak at all at work, which is always a telltale sign. If two people don't talk at all at work, they're fucking. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) <laughs> well chances are higher Either they're enemies or they're lovers And you know what Baby you know that's a fine line So we You know we're, we're, we're basically Acting as if the other one isn't even There And um, This like supervisor gave him a piece of paper And something that he had to read over the loudspeaker And he's like Trying to do it And I could feel this panic happening. So I just like walked over, took the piece of paper, held the receiver in my hand, and just read it over the loudspeaker. And then I hung it up and we just never talked about it. As time went on, his way of trying to get closer to me was to be like kind of controlling. And I was so young that, and I was so free and independent and and inspired and in so many ways that I was just like a complete and total turn off, shut down, walk away, don't look back, absolutely not, no. <laughs> and that's basically what I said to him. Like I remember one morning he got up to take a shower and he's like, you should make the bed. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I did not come from suburban New Jersey. Move into a tiny but beautiful studio with a bunk bed with a MySpace stranger. Mere steps from the Chelsea Hotel. Mere strides from El Quixote restaurant featured in the book Just Kids. I did not come here to end up with your ass telling me. I should make the bet. Well, 1,000 calendar years later, I can say, shout out to Rick wherever you are. Hope you're happy and healthy. Shout out to younger May for just knowing this is going nowhere good. It's time to dip. And shout out to every guy who's instinctually known it's a really nice thing to just make the bed.